Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 50. Today, I'm talking to Laura Roeder, the founder of Meet Edgar, a social media automation software. And we're going to talk all about growing a team, starting a new idea, and why automation might be the next step for giving you more freedom as an entrepreneur. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop-style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. This episode of The Gold Digger Podcast is sponsored by HoneyBook. HoneyBook is the management software that I use to stay organized, manage invoices, get paid, and give every client an elevated, unforgettable experience. HoneyBook is offering 20% off exclusively for Gold Digger listeners. Just go to honeybook.com slash gold digger to get started and get your life back today. Hey, Gold Diggers, it's Jenna Kutcher, and today I'm so excited to speak with Laura Roeder. Laura founded Meet Edgar in June of 2014 and has grown her remote team to 30 people. I am so excited to talk about how they're providing social solutions to more than 7,000 customers and how she started her entrepreneurial journey at the age of 22 when she decided to quit her design job and launch her first business. So welcome to the show, Laura. Yeah, thank you for having me, Jenna. Absolutely. So, Laura, I'm so excited to be talking with you. I first heard of you on Amy Porterfield's podcast Mm -hmm. a long time ago, and I'm just really thrilled to talk all about how you got from where you were to where you are now. So would you mind sharing your story and telling us everything about you that got you to where you are with a team of 30? That's crazy. Yeah, well, it would take a while to tell everything. Um, <laughs> uh, the short version of sort of my entrepreneurial journey is I, I quit my first and only job when I was 22 to start doing freelance design work, mostly making websites for local businesses. And when social media started to become a thing, I would just help my clients with it because I was making websites for them and I was helping them with other online marketing stuff. And people kept telling me, 
you know, we would pay you just for your advice about social media. And I thought that sounded like the sweetest gig of all time <laughs> to be paid to tell people how to use Twitter. Super easy. Absolutely. So started doing social media consulting and then that quickly turned into social media training, online education, information products. And then in 2014, we launched Meet Edgar, which is social media software. Amazing. Okay. So you have to tell me where the words meet Edgar came from and who <laughs> Edgar is, because I really want to know who Edgar is. Yeah. So Edgar, so we refer to the software as, as he, instead of it, it just, it sounds a little <laughs> nicer. So Edgar is the octopus is the guy that sends out all your social media for you because something that's really different about Edgar so with other tools, you have to go in and you have to manually schedule everything, or you load up your content for the next week or the next month. But Edgar really does that work for you. He pulls the content from your library and then sends it out on social week after week so that you don't have to keep going in and doing that yourself. And the name was, we were using the code name Edgar before it launched just because like you have these projects and you have to call them something and we like picked a name. There's really no reason. <laughs> and when it came time to really do the like branding stuff, okay, we're launching this, you know, what's the name? What's the logo? We thought of all these startup-y sounding names and I just didn't like any of them. And I noticed that people would remember Edgar when I would tell them about the project and I, they would call it, they'd be like, what's going on with Edgar? And I'm like, well, that's not what it's <laughs> called, but like, here's what's going on with it. And like, people seem to remember this and wouldn't it be sort of funny and sort of memorable if we called it Edgar and then we needed a domain. So like meet Edgar became the domain and then meet Edgar just kind of became the name of the business. That is incredible. One time, one of my aunts, they had a litter of puppies and they named them all based off of physical characteristics and it stuck. So their dog was named White Chin. <laughs> so they would yell like, come here, White Chin. And so I kind of love the Edgar story because yes. I totally agree. We name things really weird and I love Edgar and I, I just imagine a really friendly old man whenever I hear that uh, name. And yeah. so the fact that he's helping me is even better. So talk to me about automation because automation is something that I am super passionate about. Mm -hmm. It's something that I teach. And it's honestly my number one goal for this year is to automate as many aspects of my business. So where did this love of automation yeah. come from? And then how did you turn it into a profitable business? Yeah. So, you know, our customers are small businesses, very small businesses. A lot of our customers are solopreneurs and, yep. you know, I've been there myself for many years as a solopreneur or a super small team, you know, with some part-time virtual assistants. So when you're trying to run a full business and it's, you know, just you or just you and a handful of people, I think if you're savvy, you quickly start to realize like, oh, there's technology out there that can do the work that I used to do manually. You know, this, this is Absolutely. really cool. And I think you sort of discover that because you have to as a small business owner, because you're trying to do something like social media. And I mean, this is why so many entrepreneurs struggle with social media is they're like, okay, well, I'm supposed to be posting on all these platforms. I'm supposed <laughs> to be doing it like five times a day. This takes hours and hours of my time. And if you're doing it all yourself manually, I mean, it really does. It's so time consuming. It, it takes up more time than is valuable to you unless you're really getting smart with automation. So I think I just sort of had to learn about automation because I was trying to make my small business survive. And I just quickly saw patterns and systems 
to streamline things. So the idea for Edgar came from what I was teaching people to do manually when I had a training business. And what I was teaching people to do is this whole idea of why are you creating new pieces of content, new status updates multiple times a day for all your different social networks when you can actually look at the stats and see what percentage of people are seeing anything that you send out. And these days it's about like 5% of your audience Mm -hmm. sees anything you send. It's really, really small. So that means that 95% did not see it yet. You're creating something like totally new every time, which is just, which is just crazy. It just doesn't make any sense. Right. Especially when we're talking about these blog posts that you've put your blood, sweat and tears into, and then you send them out once the first week they're live, (laughs) you know, and you like never show them once social again. It just, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. So what I taught people to do is create a library of content that you can keep repeating on social media. And obviously this doesn't apply to all your content. You're not going to be like chilling by the pool and then just like post that at random times a day or random times a year. (laughs) I'm talking about, you know, links to your blog posts, links to other people's blog posts, like the how to strategy, tips and tricks, inspirational quotes. Most of the content small businesses share on social is evergreen, meaning, you know, it's useful six months from now. It's not just useful today. So all that evergreen stuff, which is probably most of your content, that's what's really smart to put on an automation schedule like Edgar does so that you're not having to post a social every day. Edgar can just do that for you with your own unique content. I love that so much. And I have to disclose with my audience that we just signed up for Edgar and we're thrilled because we have been digging so much into our well of content like you were Mm -hmm. talking about. And for five years, I blogged five days a week, which is crazy. And so I have hundreds (laughs) upon hundreds of posts that, like you said, that literally got seen with one Facebook post and then disappeared into the abyss. And so we have been looking at where is my time best spent in my business? And it's not on writing new posts. It's Mm -hmm. on figuring out which ones were the best, the most popular, the most viewed, the most shared. And then how can we share them so that more people can see them? And so it's such a strategic move. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that a lot of people neglect to see. Because like you said, you feel like you always have to be creating content. But guys, like everyone hits a rate where you're like, I don't have anything more to say right now. And so we're so excited to be using this because I think, like you said, like there's just a reason and a time to share things. And we love to believe that people might be refreshing our feeds, but I can promise you that nobody is doing that. And so if you are creating pertinent content, like how brilliant. So tell me about how you created a software from somebody who went from creating training courses Mm -hmm. to pivoting and creating a software with, I'm assuming no background in that. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I had been wanting to get into the software world for a while. I think like a lot of people with different types of online businesses, you know, SaaS software as a service, AKA Mm -hmm. like reoccurring revenue is, is a very interesting model. And it was to me, but I'm not a programmer, you know, I don't know how to build software. So I just kind of was like, this is something that I want to do, but I don't really know how. And how it happened for me is my husband is a developer, a software developer, and he's the one 
that I was just kind of like complaining, you know, about, okay, well, I'm teaching people to do this, but like, there's so much manual labor involved in copying and pasting to different tools. And you can't store your library of updates within the tool. And why do they do that? It's so frustrating. And honestly, at the time, I kind of thought that it must be impossible. Like I thought this is such an obvious idea for my social media tool to store my social media updates. Why don't they do that? It must be like, it must be really hard to do or something. I don't know. And my husband, Chris was just kind of like, no, like tools can do that. Like that's not hard to do. He's like, I could build a tool that does that. So I'm like, great. Build a Bless build his a heart, right? Build a tool that does that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So yeah. And you know, I just want to say, so a lot of people hear that story and they're like, well, good for you. But like, I'm not married to a developer. Like how does that, how does that help me? And I think what I've learned that is applicable to everyone is that you tend to take your own skills for granted. So I'm good at marketing. I'm good at running a business. And I think that those things are easy because they're easy for me. Right. And I think that programming is really hard, but Every programmer out there has built a piece of software that no one has ever downloaded because they have no idea how to do the marketing or they're like terrified to do the marketing. This is so true. So I've realized, you know, if you're on that marketing business side, the technical side needs you just as much as you need them to create a real business that people are actually going to know about. So if you're not technical, but you're interested in getting into software, you know, start learning about software and start going to meetups, going to spaces where you can meet programmers, meet more technical people and, and learn more about their world. And, you know, at some point, maybe you can find a partner that would love to get partnered up with someone like you where they can just do the programming. They don't have to worry about the business. They don't have to worry about selling it. So that's where you can have a really complimentary skill set. Absolutely. You know what I think is so interesting about what you just said is you thought like, you know, this has to be a problem for more people, but why isn't there a solution? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people could easily say, well, it just must be too hard because yeah. clearly I'm not the only one to have thought about this. Right. So I'm not even going to try because it must be impossible. Yeah. But I think that a lot of times we look for permission to go mm -hmm. after what we want and you didn't have that permission. Um, and so I think it's really inspiring that you chose to like pave your own way, which I think is super encouraging for people. Yeah. So let's talk about this team that you've built. We have been getting a ton of questions about entrepreneurs who are feeling overwhelmed or that they need to outsource. They're not quite sure what building a team looks like. And like you said, you've grown to 30 people. That's a really large remote team. So what has that looked like for you as your business has grown? So it's definitely been a gradual process. So we did not raise money for our business, which means we didn't have you know, here's $10 million in the bank, go out and hire a full-time team of 15 people from day one. So it happened gradually. As we made more money, we hired more people. And it's also something I've been learning over the past 10 years, you know, as I've built various businesses, hiring people freelance, hiring people part-time all the way to full-time. And a big lesson that I've learned that I see a lot of like small online business owners going a different way. A lot of people are really scared to do like a real full-time employee because you, you know, you can't do that from the beginning, right? Like most businesses don't have the resources. It's something you build up to over time, but it is really something I would recommend building towards because what a lot of people do is they have a team 
of freelancers and like there is nothing wrong with having a team of freelancers the problem that you're going to encounter is all those freelancers have their own business you know if you have like a freelance blogger writing your blog post their business is not your business it's their freelance blogging business and they're trying to grow it right they're trying so to grow it they need to get more clients or they need to charge more or they need to start having other writers under them right and so this is all stuff that happens you start to lose people or they start to get more expensive so it works short term but it can be very challenging long term so i think gradually moving towards that idea of i'm going to work with people that just work with me and by the way like that doesn't have to be full-time. Even when I was hiring part-time freelancers, I would look for people that were just looking for a part-time job as opposed to people who had a business and were looking for more clients for their business. Absolutely. I think that's the exact direction we went. We had all contractors and we got our first full-time employee this year. And it's been so great to have somebody solely devoted to your business and the success and to not have their time split by different projects. So I think that's incredible advice. So what does your remote team look like? Like who is on it? How has it grown? What was your first hire? Answer those. I asked so many questions all at once because I get so excited. (laughs) Yeah. So ours, like the software business sort of evolved from the training business. So I did have a few people on the team and the training business. When we started Meet Edgar, like I had someone doing customer service and a project manager and like a writer marketer. So we had that sort of core team, like tiny core team, and then the capabilities we needed to add on totally new were, of course, programmers, you know, to build and and fix and update the software. So at this point, we have four departments in the company, customer service, product slash development, marketing, and operations. And so each of those teams has a manager. We call them advocates at our company. And... There's two people on the operations team, and then the other three are like pretty evenly split as far as team members. Awesome. And what is your role in the business at this point? How are you best serving Meet Edgar? So my role in the business is CEO, and it's been a huge learning experience figuring out what that means and what I am supposed to do. Because it's this really big transition where you move from creating deliverables for your business to really just managing and leading. So I'm not doing very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as funny as that sounds, like not doing very much like hands-on stuff. I'm more guiding the bigger decisions and the bigger picture. And I think it can be a hard thing to wrap your mind around because it sounds like really bs I think I used to think like, oh, what is like setting, you know, people say you're supposed to like set the vision for your company. It's like, okay, like what does that mean? <laughs> like, do you really need to do that? And what I understand at this point is that type of work is so important because that's what allows the 30 people on my team to really work autonomously, you know, to keep us all moving in the same direction and completing all of our little projects, but moving towards the same goal, it needs to be super clear. Like what is the priorities for each department, each quarter? What is the bigger thing that we're all building towards? And you think like that everyone will just assume the same thing. And then you realize that people do not assume the same thing at all. And it's up to you as the leader to say like how, 
you know, how many customers are we trying to get? Like how many employees do we want to have on this team? What do we want this team to feel like? What do we want our customer experience to feel like? And, and some of that I'm figuring out some of that, you know, our different department heads are figuring out, but you really can't take for granted, like, oh, everyone just knows what good customer service is. Actually, good customer service means something different to everyone. So making those things really explicit so that it's really easy for everyone on your team to do their day-to-day work without having to ask other people, how do I handle the situation? Because it's like, okay, these are the standards for what good customer service looks like. So now you can answer tickets in a way that meets these standards. Absolutely. Has it been really hard to transition from like the visionary who bootstrapped this whole thing Mm -hmm. to someone who is managing the team? Because I know that sometimes, you know, we start these passion projects and they're so close to our heart. And I know that this probably is still close to your heart, but your role has absolutely transformed. Has that been a challenge? So it's something that I was very deliberate on when I started this business. Because in my training business, I was the face of it. You know, I was the trainer. It was very dependent on me. And I really didn't love that business model. I knew that I wanted to do something different. You know, I also knew that I wanted to have a kid. So I wanted a business that could really thrive without me. Not just like, okay, I can be away for a month and it can be okay. But it can really like keep growing without me. So I was very, very deliberate in designing Meet Edgar that way. So I was pregnant when I launched Meet Edgar. So I took a three-month maternity leave while the company was six months old. And that's actually like when we hit, I remember that's when we hit six, yeah, six figures in monthly revenue was like while I was away. You know, I had set it up so it could really grow past me, not just like things are going to be okay while she's gone. So it was something that was a stretch for me, like in this new business, I hadn't done that in the old business, but because I knew that's what I wanted, I just made every decision that way from day one. So like, I've never written copy for Edgar. I have that skill. Like I know about marketing. I know about copywriting. I just, I haven't done it at all for Edgar because like, I'm the type of person I need like a black and white split. I'm like, I'm not going to write a single blog post. I'm not going to write a single landing page just so that I can be totally clear and taking myself out of it and forcing myself to hire talent that can handle it. So that doesn't mean that it's always been easy marketing in particular. I've been in and out of like I've hired people and then gone back to managing it myself. So that area for me, because that's something I really love to do and something I'm really interested in. That's been the hardest part to really let someone else lead and take myself out of it. Absolutely. I just want to let you know, like you are incredible first off, but I think that when I look at that, I've been looking at what motivates us lately. And for me, time is my motivator and how you said that you've so intentionally built it so that it can succeed without you. And I think a lot of us would struggle with that ego in that, like, Mm -hmm. no, it needs me Mm -hmm. to work. And I think a lot of creative entrepreneurs are really good at making excuses of why we can't outsource or why we can't hire a team because no one can do it as well as we can. Yeah. But I think exactly how you said this, like you could write the copy, but that's not how you're best serving your business or Mm -hmm. your family. And I think that that's so incredible. And then also just building a model with recurring income, like brilliant. You're just brilliant. That's amazing. (laughs) So what does your work week look like for you? How are you in the business? How are you juggling a family? Like what does that look like for you? So I work at this point, 
what I call full-time, which is usually like five to six hours a day. It's like a chill full-time schedule, I guess. I was part-time for the first year of my son's life after I was on maternity leave for about like a year after that, just for context time-wise. So my day-to-day is like having meetings with our department heads, having a weekly leadership meeting that we're all on, sort of keeping my eye on what's going on in the business via Slack. And then I am looking at bigger strategic projects that kind of go past any one team. So something we're spending a lot of time right now on is researching our pricing, the way like the metrics that our software is priced on, how people are using the software and how they're getting value out of it. So kind of like bigger picture decisions like that, like what is our pricing model going to be? Those are the kind of projects that I am really involved in and kind of figuring out like what, you know, the next stage of the business looks like. That's incredible. Is this something that you want to do for a very long time? I don't know. I love, like, I'm sure I'll start other businesses because I'm 32 and like, how can I, (laughs) how can I not? (laughs) So in that sense, no, like it probably won't be like this exact product, this exact company forever, but I really love this role. I love the leadership role. It's something that, that suits me really well. And I love the, the software business is really fun and something that I love learning about. So yes, I think I'll be doing like something like this for a very long time. That's amazing. Does your husband still work with you? Sort of. So he built the initial version and then he hired um, an engineering team. So he's not really working on the business day to day anymore. He is stay at home dad in the morning and in the afternoon, he spends a lot of his time like exploring other projects and other businesses that we might do in the future. That's kind of how he spends his time. Amazing. You guys sound like a good team. Like you sound we, like you we work are. well together. We, we <laughs> do work awesome. well together. Yeah. And I think the thing there is that we do have very different skill sets. Like yes. I don't know how to program. So <laughs> I cannot like tell him. <laughs> right. I cannot tell him what to do. So I think that makes it a lot easier to work together is that we just like respect each other's domain. So this is a selfish question since we're diving in to Edgar But what are some tips in terms of automation that you can give entrepreneurs in terms of getting the most out of the content that they've already created? So the easiest thing anyone can do that most people aren't doing is just like share one of your old blog posts every single day. Like if you just did that manually or you set up Edgar to only do that, it would be super valuable because like you said I mean you have an insane amount like five years like hundreds hundreds (laughs) yeah yeah and like that's a really high volume but I mean most people have like it's very common to be blogging you know at least once a week for at least a year Mm -hmm. like a lot of small businesses have at least like 50 posts built up at this point that's a lot of content and people tend to repeat their content way too little because I see everything I send out, right? So this is why people get nervous about it. They're like, oh, I don't want to bother people. Like, I don't want to just repeat myself because to you, it'll look like you just sent that, right? You'll be like, oh, I just sent that a few weeks ago or I just sent that a month ago or whatever. You'll remember it going out. 
but just look at the stats, like put yourself in reality, open up your Facebook page, open up your Twitter account. You can see how many people are seeing everything. It's hardly any people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's really small. So to you, it's going to feel like you're repeating yourself over and over again, but that is not the experience your audience gets. And of course, you know, now that we've been doing Edgar for a while and we have thousands of customers, I can absolutely say that this is true. I mean, what I see on my own accounts where I use Edgar, what we see in our customer accounts over and over again, the shares will be actually kind of uncanny how similar it will be like you share something and it gets five retweets. You share it later. It gets like three or four or five retweets again (laughs) the second time. Like the number of clicks will be very similar. And what's really cool is that you're giving your content these opportunities to get really big because they might get shared. They might get picked up. And like, that's my just personal favorite little win that I see with Edgar. I'll have an article that Edgar has sent out for me, you know, that I've totally forgotten about. It'll randomly get shared by someone with a huge following on Twitter. And we'll see like a massive spike in traffic for this thing that we had no, that we did nothing, you know, that Edgar just sent out. And it's just, it's an opportunity. Every time you send out a link, it's an opportunity for shares. It's an opportunity for clicks. It's an opportunity for someone who's heard of you and has checked out your site to so like go there that one more time be like, Oh, you know what? Like, okay, I'm finally going to sign up. I've been thinking about this <laughs> for months and months. Like, okay, I'm, I'm finally going to do it. Like people just need those opportunities to see your content or engage with you or buy from you. And so using automation, you're just getting a lot more of those opportunities. Absolutely. And for us, I know that it really challenges me to produce quality and not quantity because a quality piece that's shared and shared and shared is going to do so much better than just posting because I post five days a week or whatever that looks like. And so I think it it takes the pressure off of Mm -hmm. always creating, but instead turns it to creating with purpose or intention. And I think that that's so powerful. And I love what you said right at the beginning of this interview is that so many people feel guilt around social media because we're taught like you have to post five times a day or you need to be posting constantly. And as soon as we're off of that schedule, which I could tell you today, I'm already off of whatever that goal should have been because I'm setting up Edgar. We feel this guilt around it. And like other goals, when you feel guilt or that you know you're not going to complete it, it's just this like self-deprecating talk for yourself. And so what is so beautiful about what you've created or what you help others do or even just what you teach about, you know, resharing this content Mm -hmm. is like you said, you give it an opportunity to live on. And we are so close to our work that I think we assume that other people are just as close to it. And so it's almost freeing also to know that not everyone is seeing everything you're doing, which is kind of a blessing in disguise. It it becomes Um, really hilarious when you realize how closely you believe other people are watching you when you start to observe yourself on social, because like, let's say you're posting something like several times a week, every week, and people do see it over and over again. Well, how long does it take before you click something like this is the whole goal of the internet is to have your content spread over and over, right? Like you want stuff to go viral. You want stuff to be everywhere. And the reason you want that is because like you have to see something 10 times before you finally even click on it. Absolutely. I am totally one of those people. And that's why Facebook ads get me eventually because they haunt me until I'm like, okay, 
I'm finally going in. Let's do this. Right, right. You need those like, okay, okay, my friend posted this article. Okay, my other friend posted this article. Okay, I saw this article again. Okay, finally, I'm going to... And that's just a click. Like, maybe they're not even going to read it. And yet we have this idea. Like, people do this... Like, email is another thing that's really underutilized. Because I always tell people, just send out your latest blog post in an email every week. Like, literally just put a link and do nothing else. And you will get so much more traffic from that. And we're like, oh, but these people are on my email list. They already know about my blog. I'm like, how many blogs are you reading every single post? Like, the day it comes out. Like, people are not doing that. Absolutely. We don't have time to do that. I feel like a few years ago, I was way more of a blog reader. And nowadays, I struggle to even keep up with my best friends, you know? (laughs) Read your own blog. (laughs) Yeah, right? I don't even know what's going on. One other thing that I really am excited about is automation inside of Facebook groups. Mm. And I think that that's super exciting. I currently manage five different groups. So I have a different group for each of my courses, a podcast group, and then kind of like a goal setting group. And so I'm really excited um, to also take that and be able to share pertinent information inside of my groups and then let the discussion invite me in to have that. And so I'm really, really thrilled about that piece too, because we all are serving so many different audiences. And I think that if we spent all of our time serving content, it would take up our days. And so I think that that's an incredible feature. Yeah. I mean, we, if we were smart, we would just probably like repackage and position it just for groups because group owners love Edgar so much because yeah, you get so many groups. People are doing this manually. They're having the like motivational Monday, you know, share your win Friday, like share your latest blog post Wednesday. So you can just make all that happen on autopilot with Edgar. And then Exactly like you said, you know, spend your time like with the conversation. And that's, that's my Mm -hmm. whole idea of how people should be using Edgar. And I mean, how people are using Edgar is like, let software send it out. Your audience doesn't know or care whether you like clicked the button on your app, on your phone or on your computer, if your VA did it, like no one cares how you loaded up the content, you know, don't worry about that. Let software do that. And then you can go in and do the part that only you can do, which is like the relationships, the conversation. And then like, how amazing does it feel to spend all of your time on social doing that fun relationship part? Absolutely. So exciting. I am just such a huge fan of automation. And so anything that makes our lives simpler. And I want to ask you this question because it was something I struggled with early on and I definitely overcame this roadblock. But what would you say to people that say, well, I can't afford services, even if I know they're going to make my life easier. Mm. I mean, it's such a hard thing when you're starting out, right? Like deciding how to spend that money. And I would just encourage people to spend money on action as much as possible. Because what I see in the online community is people have a huge bias towards spending money on training and education and learning and like yes we have to learn stuff honestly you can kind of learn everything from like free blog posts if you're really motivated like let's be real there's so much free information out there what you can't get for free is someone to write for you someone to create graphics for you someone to do your bookkeeping or software to do all these things right and software is always going to be cheaper than man hours. Because sometimes people will tell us that. They'll be like, I could get a VA cheaper than this. I'm like, I don't know what kind of VA you found. (laughs) Where they are, you tell me. (laughs) Right, like, good luck with that. Like, VA is not cheaper. 
So yeah, like your first bias should be, should be software, honestly, just because that's always going to be cheaper than like human man hours getting something done. And whenever you're tempted to like do a course or buy an ebook or like, you know, do even like a conference, you know, and I love conferences and I think meeting people in person is so important, but that like 2000 bucks that you spend on the conference with travel and everything else, like you could get a lot of help for your business, like real execution help for $2,000. Absolutely. And I think too, a lot of people early on, they don't value their time. Yeah. And so I'm looking at it like, what is an hour of my week worth? And what is that hour added up every single week in a month? And if I can't say that it's not worth that amount, then I'm either not valuing my time enough or I'm just not to that point quite yet. And I think that early entrepreneurs, they covet their money, but they don't covet their time. Yes. And like I said, time is my biggest motivator. And so when I look at things, even like, you know, I use HoneyBook, which is a software that streamlines my client work. I was so resistant because of the cost, but I was so undervaluing the amount of time I was wasting. Yeah. And so once I flipped the script on that, it totally transformed the way that I would invest in my business. So that time was the motivator and not necessarily the money. And I know that when I get more time, I'm able to make more money because I'm more profitable. So yeah, that is my encouragement there. <laughs> you know, it's hard when you're starting out because it is a bit of a chicken and the egg. People are like, mm -hmm. okay, well, supposedly this frees up an extra hour, but like, I don't have an extra hour of client work to do anyway. But it's like, well, you would get the extra hour of client work if you weren't spending all your time doing all this admin stuff. Yeah. That HoneyBook does or that Meet Edgar does. So like, it does take a leap of faith in the beginning. It totally does. And I think you just have to embrace that instead of People are like waiting for this future. They're like, I know I'll wait for that week where I'm doing everything in my business and five hours a week. And I made $50,000 extra that month. Like that, that is never coming. Tell me when it happens. Cause I'm ready. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's amazing. So Laura, where can everybody find you and how can people get connected with you and Edgar? Yeah, so you can find Edgar at meetedgar.com or meetedgar on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And you can find me online at LKR or I blog at my name, lauraroder.com. Incredible. I am super excited to dig into Edgar. We will be definitely linking all of this up in the show notes. And I'm just really excited to offer this extra step of automation. And I'm so thankful to hear the heart and your story behind it too, Laura. So thank you for spending your time with us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. You gold-digging dream chaser, you. 